Welcome to Greycast, exploring the world of Greyhawk one podcast at a time. This podcast is all about bringing the classic world of Greyhawk setting to life through Greyhawk creators, Greyhawk lore, Greyhawk streamers, Greyhawk stories, and of course the vibrant Greyhawk community of gamers. Thank you for tuning in and let the exploration of Dungeons & Dragons' most classic and revered setting, the world of Greyhawk, begin now. Welcome fans of Greyhawk to another episode of Greycast, the podcast, the only podcast I'm aware of um, that deals directly and solely with the original D&D world of Greyhawk as dreamt up and delivered to us by Gary Gygax himself. Very, very excited to have our guest this evening. Of course, this is Wiley Hobbit, and we're hanging out with Mateus, our hey. uh, co-pilot, sidecar operator, technological genius. And we have for you a dude who's been around D&D since before there was D&D is my guess. I don't know, but he's been around a while. Richard is his name, and today, Sewell. Is it Sulois? is his game. So talk to us a little bit about the Soul, Richard. Welcome, man. Thank you very much, guys. Pleased to be here. Uh, I haven't been around as long as you say, <laughs> but yeah, I was at the beginning. <laughs> I, I say that to make myself feel, feel better because yeah. I came around in about 82 and I know there's guys that have been around longer and I always try to point them out and get them yeah. to identify themselves. But 82, you're getting, you're getting close to the beginning. Yeah. I mean, uh, the old guys are dying off. So, you know, we're, we're going to get there at the top at one point. But uh yeah, so the Sewell. You want to know about the Sewell? What yeah, do you want to know about the Sewell? Who are so, they? Who are they? How many are there? What do they look like? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the, the Sewell's history goes about back at least 6,000 years. So the Sewell have the longest calendar, I guess you could say. Okay. So we know that they were around at least 6,000 years ago. That's when their, their year one began. So they're the longest known calendar. Even the uh, elves only started like 1,000 years later. In their calendar doesn't mean the elves were not around before but they just started right. dating at that point so from from a human race perspective they have the longest calendar right you know yeah several like the baclun is the next one up and that's like three thousand years later just to give you an idea so the first the party yeah so the soul uh at the time of the twin cataclysm so about a thousand years ago were in the area called the sea of dust where it's currently the sea of dust in the front is now there is nothing saying they were always there. Uh, we take it for granted that that was their homeland. It was always our homeland. And there's nothing saying that it was. But all we know is at the time of the Twin Cataclysm, that's where their empire was. So the Sul, uh, if you want to picture them in your head, um, think Elric of Melnabonia. Okay. That sort of thing. Uh, Elsa, <laughs> for those of you who are Disney fans. Right. Uh, you know. Maybe, um, and if you think of the Sewell Barbarians, you'd think kind of like uh, Bully Wolf from uh, 13th Warrior, kind of the leader. Okay. So that's what they kind of look like. Their culture is very much 
personal honor, personal accomplishments, personal prowess. So everything about the school is about personal pride, chaotic to a certain extent. So, you know, they got the most powerful mages because the guy is that greedy for power. He wants to be the best mage ever. They have the best individual fighters. They have the best individual artists. They have the best individual. So that's what they strive to do. They don't particularly work as well in a group as, let's say, the Iridians. So the Iridians would be a martial force from hell, right? They're the, the most organized, toughest war machine of okay. all the human race in the Flannes. Whereas maybe one-on-one, a Sul might win. Might okay. be a better duelist, let's say, a better... Sounds, sounds to me like maybe, are they sort of tribal then, uh, clannish that way then? And then each clan maybe has their champion, that sort of, versus a highly hierarchical organized military complex. Think of it, they're almost like the drow. They have houses. So they okay. would have, they have loyalty to their houses and cool. they... They, they, they pit houses again, like the houses pit against each other. The emperor is the most powerful house or the leader of the most powerful, hmm. let's say, alliance of houses and whatnot. Um, that's sort of, that's that's the way the empire was run, the Sul Empire. Yeah. And then when it migrated to the Flanes uh, after the Twin Cataclysms, things okay. moved around, but that ancient mindset is still there. Okay. So, so wait, let's park the migration bus on the side of the road you said twin cataclysms i feel like that's probably a good starting off point to get to sewell as we encounter them in the flannest does that sound about right yeah that's good so tell us about that what the heck was a twin cataclysm so the twin cataclysm was the evoked devastation and the reign of colorless fire that's when the sewell and the baklooni mutually wiped each other out oh. so uh what happened was the so they had this war conventional war to a certain extent, the, nobody really knows. There's nothing written on why it started. There's nothing written on why it kept going. There's not, mm-hmm. nothing saying one person wanted the land of the other person or whether it was a religious strife or, you know, maybe somebody stole somebody's wife. They, they, they don't know, right? They don't know why it started or why it lasted so many, so many centuries. All they know is that at one point, the, uh, it got to the point where the Sul decided, you know, enough's enough. So they brought down the invoked devastation. And the invoked devastation wiped out everything, to, you know, in the Bakluni Empire. The Bakluni had the, the chance to hide out, let's say, Tovai Baragu, and they returned the Reign of Colors fire uh, that wiped out the, the Sul Empire. So that's basically what happened. I gotcha. mean, it's up to the DM to decide why it happened, uh, you know, and all that. They leave it purposely vague. But it's just like a kickoff, just to say, you know, we once had great uh, human empires, so there's lost lore and lost knowledge out there, and we're not as great as we once were, and blah, 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 so you can play with it as you, as you wish. Right. That's a basic plot point in the Flaness for that. So you have the, the, this, mutual, this, this big, you know, mutually assured destruction kind of scenario, and so the, right. the Sulis, they, they migrate. Where do they end up? So we know that they ended up in Keolan. Right. So, so Keolan, we know that. We know that they ended up in the Duchy of Ernst. Okay. The Duchy of Ernst um, is basically 100% Sewell, pretty much, which is interesting enough. So you got Keolan, which is maybe 50-50. They basically mix with the inhabitants. The Duchy of Ernst, for sure. And then, of course, the Tilvanot, the nice. home of the Scarlet Brunette. 
So, and then the uh, top right, you got the three barbarian states. Right. So those are like, I'd say the biggest chunks of the soul that, yeah. okay. And then the, you know, and then the rest spread and mingled. So if you look at the Flaness and you, you use the LGG, the living great hot guest here yep. as a guideline. So, so this is where it gets interesting. When you read these documents, they state, let's say 80% of the humans are Sul. But it can be interpreted two ways. It either means that 80% of the population of humans are 100% Sul, or each person is 80% Sul, each individual person. Like it's got, you know what I mean? They're mixed, mixed breed. So you gotta be careful in the Flaness to, to differentiate whether when it says, you know, 30% Sul, 30% Iridian, 30% Flan, is it, you know, is it a split of pures or is it just that each person is roughly a third of each of those different races that intermingled over the last thousand years? Mm. So if you're looking at the pure Sul, you're looking at the three barbarian states, yep. the Duchy of Ernst, the Tilvanot Peninsula. Okay. Those would be the purest okay. individual Sul. So if you go there, you're going to have, you know, 100% Sul looking people, a lot of them. When you move to, let's say, Selene, Lendor Isles, the Lordship, Radic, the Sea Barons, the Sea Princes, and the Duchy of Ulic, you're looking at 80% Sul. What that means is that predominantly you probably have a lot of pure Sul in those areas. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's mostly just mixed Sul, the Sul blood is mixed in with others. So you're looking at maybe 10% of the Flaness, 10 to 15% of Flaness is pure Sul, 100%. Maybe another 5 to 10% is predominantly Sul, let's say. So you'd have maybe, of your 10 ancestors, you'd have maybe two who are not Sul. So you got, you know, and then maybe another 40% are mixed. Like, uh, so, uh, maybe a third of the Flaness is, is Sul blood. So are they organized uh, politically? You mentioned um, Ernst yeah, and the peninsula there where the Scarlet Brotherhood is, those concentrations, yeah. are they then politically organized in some way or how does, how does that work out? So each, each was interesting. So the, 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 the Duchy of Ernst is a duchy, right? So most of these are feudal, right? They're, they're kept feudal because this was, this is the Flaness and Greyhawk. And so most of these countries are feudal okay. to a certain extent. Um, the Tilvanon, and this is where it gets interesting. There's not a lot written there. We hear about the Scarlet Brotherhood, but the Scarlet Brotherhood is an organization within the country. Right. So they, like a they might not necessarily be the actual, uh, let's say, open rulers of that country. There, there might be a couple of counts or dukes or whatever who run certain cities and certain areas and provinces and whatnot. And not a lot is said about the Scarlet Brother. All we know is that they're, you know, they have a lot of assassin monks and thieves and spies and whatnot. And these are the guys that leave that country and cause havoc everywhere else. It's a very secretive country. So as a DM, you could do whatever you want down there just knowing that the Scarlet Brother does have a stranglehold is a very powerful faction in that country mm-hmm. that guides the direction that it's, it's taking, you know. Uh, the Duchy of Ernst is, you know, 
monarchist, if you will, to a certain extent. Uh, Keelan is, is different. Keelan, they actually elect their king from uh, the nobles. So that's an, an so you're, you're elected, but then you rule for life, but it's not hereditary. So your kids do not become the next king. When you die, the next king is elected. So that's the way it works in Keelan. But Keelan's only about 50% uh, Sewell. The sea princes are a bunch of houses, if you, if you look at it that way. So they'd be closest to the, the old system where each pirate house, if you will, rules their area. And they kind of work together as a cooperation to a certain extent. And the most powerful house is declared the ruler of the country. But if he steps too far, allowing the other house to pull him down type thing. So every country runs a little bit differently. Radek, of course, is, has, a, has a, a ruler. The sea barons have a ruler. Interesting. So, so, so yeah. they kind of take the, sorry, Matthias, the oh, okay. format of the land versus a, an overwhelming Sulawese organization. Yeah, there's no, uh, that's, that's the nice thing about the Sul. So the Sul, if you want to play an interesting human race, the Sul are arguably the one that is no direct tie to the way, like you can't point on them and say, oh, this is like, you know, the, the, the Norwegians or like the Chinese or something. The Sioux really are unique. They're different than any particular earthly culture. So you can really go off book with them. Nice. Talk to us a little bit um, about um, Sioux religion. What, what gods do they have? Specific gods do they worship? What, what are their, um, their religious beliefs uh, like? Okay, so the Sioux do have their own pantheon. Um, maybe less than under 20 gods, you know, so maybe like, so they have, interesting thing is they have no greater gods. So there's, there's a bunch of intermediate gods and many, many lesser gods. If you, if you follow that hierarchy of gods, if you will. Um, the interesting thing about the soul is that predominantly their gods are good or neutral. So of the 16 written gods, three are evil, seven are neutral and six are good. So the Sul are, their pantheon anyways, uh, for number, is predominantly neutral and good. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, each god is a one-to-one -one worshiper type thing. So maybe the evil gods have a lot more worshipers than the, the three of them would denote. But on the surface, the Sul have a very neutral or good pantheon. And I guess their religious practices denote that and the way they live their lives denote that. Uh, their gods of war, and this is where it gets interesting, the gods of war are all chaotic good. Chaotic good is, which is strange, you know? So it, it screams individual prowess a lot more than organized. You know, unlike Hec uh, Heronius, which is lawful, chaotic means that you're going to have individual showmanship is more important in battle than having, you know, units, cohesive units and military Roman style, you know, legions and whatnot. So. And um, you've talked about uh, a little bit, but is there any anything else that you want to highlight about their history and their culture? Were there, after the migrations and once um, they settled the Flannis, was there, have, was there any important Suluese people involved in 
significant events in the Flannis up until, you know, living Greyhawk 591, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing about the Sioux is that the refugees, right? So basically they poured out of the empire and going back to that pride and that individual prowess, uh, there's a certain amount of arrogance to it. And so when you get that, that you, you get the, mostly the extremes, right? You get people who are very good, but you also get people who are very, very evil. So the Sewell did some, according to the written lore, they did a lot of atrocities, right? So they did not make friends everywhere they went. Keelan, they seem to have made friends. The Duchy of Ernst, they seem to be, have been okay. Although the Duchy of Ernst did have the Maurer Castle with Ellie Tomaras and all that. This is, these are Sewell. So they were the apprentices to some majors of power and blah, blah, blah. And these guys were, were pure evil. So they did a lot of chaos there. Um, so if you go through the history, you will find the odd Sewell that pops up. But you, you're not going to have, uh, like Vecna was not a Sewell. Like the big names are predominantly not Sewell. Even the Circle of Eight, there's no Sewell in there from what I from what I was able to see. Now, that being said, they probably have a little bit of Sewell blood somewhere in there, but there's no pure Sewell in the Circle of Eight. So the big names predominantly are not Sewell in the Flannes. Um, and um, I think talk a little bit about um, if you can about the 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 thing that that is kind of controversial amongst Greyhawk fans, and that is the Scarlet Brotherhood. Um, in the post Greyhawk wars, how they basically are, were, were thrust into the center light in Greyhawk, uh, published Greyhawk lore. Yeah, so this thing about the Scott Brotherhood is that it's a, it was up until the Greyhawk wars, it was a secretive organization built on subterfuge and, you know, backdoor politics and assassination and try to get power through intimidation and whatnot. And they went from being a covert to an overt power, right? So all of a sudden there's these ships showing up. And now there's nothing saying that the kingdom of Shar, which is the homeland, I guess, the, the Scarlet Brotherhood, they don't want to conquer something, right? So the, the rulers probably said, hey, this is a good opportunity. Let's take advantage, let's go for it, right? So they might have, they probably already had their ports and whatnot set up in the Oman Isles, uh, and along the monoland and medial, far away from the Flannes, nobody knew about it, right? If, if you got if you got a small little village or a small little town in Himonoland, nobody in Nairo is going to know about it. So they probably had all these little colonies, and they were grabbing slaves and making alliances and causing havoc down there, which is now reported back to Flannes. Now all of a sudden the, the Greyhawk Wars happen, and they see, oh, there's an opportunity. Let's go for it, right? So the Lords of Isles, predominantly Sewell, right? 80% Sewell already. So you can see that they probably had guys in there already working in the background saying, hey, you know, the great kingdom conquered you. You have Iridian rulers, but you're probably Sewell. Why don't you overthrow them? You know, we'll throw some support your way. So the Lordship of Isles, I could see the Scarlet Brotherhood helping some native-born Sewell regain power in the Lordship of Isles. They wouldn't have to support, they would not have to send troops. So that, that's okay. That makes sense. When you start to go west too much into the sea princes with these fleets of ships showing up with omen and uh you know disembarking and no troops and all this stuff 
coming off and assassinating the king, the, the different princes and taking over the country. It's not their style. It's really not. Um, so parts of it I, make sense. I think the, 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 the one that really makes the least sense is the sea princes. So the rest is okay. But really, if you, even Onwal and ID being right next to the Tilvanot, you know, they're small countries. They didn't have a huge army. They're, they're isolated by mountains and whatnot from the South Province, which was their enemy anyways. So I could see, you know, them sending, you know, Tilvanot sending a certain amount of troops there to take those over. That's, that's not a problem. But the Sea Prince is the one that I, I personally have an issue with. Um, yeah. You know, if, you, if you look at a bunch of, you look at a pirate fleet, right? You kill the captain, <laughs> first mate becomes captain, that's not right. you, that's right? right? And and if they don't like you as a captain, they'll take you out. Then they'll put the next guy. They don't care. They have no loyalty to chain of command. So now, now to know. be to be fair, you, you could retcon the, the the printed lore a little bit, massage it a little bit, and I I think the Scarlet Brotherhood only has hold of. The hold of the sea princes for a very short time before yeah. before the whole thing goes to pot and they lose control. Um, yeah. So you can you can massage that and say they didn't have control ever. They just thought they had control and maybe they controlled a city or two and and then the whole thing fell apart. Um, yeah. That's what it, you would have to do. Yeah. And, and, you would have but, to you have to write a that's right. I wrote a story around that. Uh, you know the the outside. See, you could always. One fun thing is you could always say the sea princes had their own internal um, challenges. Let's say, let's say they they started killing off. There was a whole revolution in the sea princes, and you know the, they wanted to enact change. And the Scott brother supplied some assistance, some assassins. They sat with a couple of factions, and the Scott brotherhood was blamed as the boogeyman for this. Right? It's like. I didn't kill your father. It was a Scarlet Brotherhood assassin who did it, right? <laughs> type of thing. So next thing you know, they say, oh, the Scarlet Brotherhood killed 17 of these guys and their sons and their nephews and their cousins took power. And they're all saying, I, I, I wouldn't kill my dad. You know, that's wrong. I loved my dad. It must have been a Scarlet Brotherhood guy who did it, right? So you could, you could retcon it that way. And then it makes sense why the things seem to have flipped. But really, these guys were just playing lip service. They, they might have even hired the, the assassin to slip in and kill their dad. And, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know. I, I guess I got to take over that dad's business, right? So before we move on to uh, the next question, uh, we, we talk to us a little bit just about the printed sources about um, uh, both um, in and uh, in. Um, just all, all the printed sources or source books where you can find good info uh, about about the Sewell. Oh, well, <laughs> name your top three, top three or four. I, I have two in my mind, but. Well, I mean, the the Sewell are, are everywhere, right? They're in, mm. every, they're in every folio, you know, right. so you got the, the 80 folio, the 83, mm. the LGG. I mean, they all talk about the Sewell. But the Sewell, the Sewell, it's like saying, talk about the Iridians. The Flannis is not about uh, a race, really. It's right. really about the countries. The countries, right. So trying to say, and, and people tend to equate the Sewell with the Scarlet Brotherhood. And right. that's wrong. I mean, the Scarlet Brotherhood is, let's say, 100,000 Sewell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it says unknown, but uh, I actually wrote a little post on Cannon Fire where I calculated the square area of the Tilvanot, the kind of, you know, 
land it is and whatnot compared to other countries of similar mm -hmm. sizes and then a person per square mile and all this calculation mm -hmm. and the Tilvanad is maybe you know half a million people on that in that area right and i said of the half a million many are slaves and many are humanoids and non therefore you could maybe have a hundred thousand pure soul let's say in the Tilvanad. well there's half a million in the duchy of ernst right so when you right. talk about the soul people automatically think scarlet brotherhood Whereas the Duchy of Ernst is a lawful good country, right. and there's half a million of them there. Yep. The, the barbarians, yep. you know, they're neutral, they're, 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 but they're not evil, and they're completely different. And there is another half a million barbarians, mm -hmm. right? So the, the Scarlet Brothers is such a small percentage right. of the Sewell that their influence in lore is much larger than they would actually have in the Flannes. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so the, the Scarlet Brotherhood book the info yeah. of the soul in there does that apply only to the soul in the uh the, the tilvanot there or can it can you yes. use that book and say oh here's the, the soul and this the, you, no no you can't no you can't play you it can't, elsewhere because okay. you can't play it elsewhere. i mean you could if you want to i mean nothing says you greyhawk is one of those things you can do anything you want i mean you can i mean i've seen people pretender into the flannes right which for me would be the first target for the scarlet brotherhood I would hire the Scarlet Brotherhood to take out all the Kenders, but that's just me. I don't particularly like Kenders. But I'm just saying, if you want to put Kenders in your Greyhawk, go ahead. So if you want to have all the Sewell to be just like the Scarlet Brotherhood, you could, but you're going to hit roadblocks in lore, right? You're going to read, you know, the Duchy of Ernst, oh, lawful good country. Well, yeah, but they're also run by Scarlet Brotherhood. So you're like, okay, it doesn't fit the lore saying it's a lawful good country. And right. their neighbors would have wipe them out right if you had an evil country right next to Nyron at this point especially a smaller one like that so yeah it doesn't doesn't quite fit the barbarians are obviously not assassin monks and thieves mm -hmm. right so, so you got to be careful putting the scarlet brothers out uh, out there when when we had um in a couple of episodes ago we had um Christoph on talking about the Rene and he mentioned mm -hmm. uh the 2e players guide has those player things about different races is the one on the soul in there good i mean it's like i said every, everything is good i mean you just read it but you you need to read you need to read the whole folio like the first folio was the original gary guy gets mindset you read that and in there there's a nice little chart right it shows that in the 83 guy there's a chart that shows the alignment of all the countries so you take the alignment of the countries and then you read the cultural diversity of each country from the LGG. And then you can build an idea of your own, right? right. And say, okay, the, the school are here, here, and here. Those countries are all good. Therefore, the school are probably good in those countries. Right. Uh, you look at the look at the gods, right? The gods of the school, like I said, six of them are good, seven are neutral, and only three are evil. Mm -hmm. So you can't have a population that has all these good and neutral gods and most of them are evil. It, it just wouldn't fit. Like wouldn't it doesn't, work. it wouldn't work, right? right? Their gods would get pretty pissed off at them, you know, too often. <laughs> That's right. Um, so talk to us about uh, what adventure opportunities do the Sewell provide, both for uh, DMs and for players. So the thing about what I do is, so I play the character called Lord Bresen in an Amy's game. And what I do with the Sewell is I basically use them as, or I play them very uh, 
individualistic to a certain extent, all about personal honor. So if you're gonna if you're gonna have a paladin, for example, Sue will be a great paladin, right? Like his personal honor and making sure everything works and the Sue are all about this personal perfection and whatnot, right? Being the best at what they can do and excelling at it. So if you wanna play a character who believes that being the best mage ever is important, go for Sewell. Uh, if you want to play someone who's the best artist or the best singer or the best bard or the best, you're striving for individual success or individual accomplishments, the stool would be a good character concept for that. Uh, so any adventure that around that is pretty nice. Um, if you get into the, you could get in a conflict with the silent ones in Keelan, where the, the silent ones try to repress magic to a certain extent or control it. So you could have a conflict in that area where you're rebelling against that. You could be up in the barbarian states, or if you want to play a barbarian, play a barbarian quite well up there, a Viking type style. So there are a lot of opportunities uh, for a soul in the Flaness. But again, Gary Gygax was very clear that in the Flaness, all the human races are blended. There is no... <sighs> There's no prejudice. So you can play any, apart from a few, you know, a few areas where you, but you can play any race, any human race anywhere and just go with it and don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's all good. So are there any particular challenges, I guess, to playing a Sewell? Are there any factions they bump up against as a race or any maybe places they're not welcome or, you know, cause that's another way both for the player and or the DM to bring a wrinkle to the game. And one of the things we like to do on the podcast is, you know, throw some some things out there that people can take away and, and use in their game. So any any challenges to being to being a Sewell? Yeah, so so there's two challenges. So one is obviously the antagonism between them and the Bakuni. So the twin castle so still thousand, a thing. Okay. Well, it was a thousand years ago, but the thing is that the two people never blended, right? The Bakuni North never blended with the rest of the Flaness to a large extent. So they did their own thing in that corner. So they never, you know, when, you, when you're not exposed to a culture, you tend to view it with a certain amount of distrust. Okay. And since the Bakluni never blended with the rest of the Flaness to a large degree, they're viewed as distrust, you know, distrusted. Mm-hmm. And the Sewell basically and them basically mutually killed each other. So they, that hatred, that cultural hatred is probably still there to a certain extent. So if you can be a Sewell, if you want to have fun, uh, I, had a, I had a gaming party where two brothers, in real life, they were brothers. One played a Sewell, and one played a Bakuni. And the whole campaign, they were just nitpicking each other, right? So whenever one would roll badly or do, you know, mess up or something, the other one would just make fun of him for like the rest of the adventure, right? You know, typical Sewell, screwing up again, blah, blah, blah. Or when the Bakuni would mess up, the, the Sewell would make fun of him for the rest of the, the session type thing. So you can have something like that for fun at the gaming table, as long as it's kept to a friendly rivalry. Otherwise, you know, I don't like inter-party fighting, like real fighting. Right, right. But if you want to have that sort of, uh, you know, Legolas Rim, uh, Gimli type thing, right? Right, right. a little competition. Uh, yeah. little competition. You know, they, 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 they kind of like each other, but, you know, elves think dwarves are useless, dwarves think elves are useless. So you can get right. that sort of mm-hmm. fun thing in there if you have the back loony. The other thing you could do also is in a lot of the areas the Sewell did during the migrations, they, they, they basically annihilated a lot of the flan, right? They, they were not, 
again, that the refugees are fleeing and some were evil and they might have, you know, criminals around genocide. So that memory might be there. So in some areas where the, the Sula are particularly cruel, you can say that, okay, in this country, they were particularly cruel or in this province, therefore the Flan who are still there have learned to hate, you know, Sula. So when they see Sula, they're instantly distrustful, even a thousand years later or, you know, mm -hmm. 700 years later or whatever it is. So you, so can, that. you can write some of that into your story as a DM then without bumping into canon or exactly any of that. Yeah, exactly. So that's the nice thing about uh, Greyhawk is in general, if you read the lore, there's all these nuggets that pop up and as you as a DM can go one way and the guy next to you could go in a completely different way and neither one of you bumps up against the lore. So you're not right. doing it wrong because nothing's telling you you can't do that. Right. So like I tease the people on cannon fire quite often that, you know, they, they make fun of me as being, you know, the Sewell guy, I was defending the Sewell. You know, when I look at the invoked devastation, rain of colors fire, you know, I look at it as, you know, they say, yes, the Sewell fired first, but so did Han Solo, right? So, you know, that doesn't make them the bad guys. I mean, Han right. Solo was a good guy. He shot Greedo first, but still That's everybody right. loves Han Solo. Greedo had it coming. That's right. You know? But uh, other people don't agree with that view, right? <laughs> but that's the thing about, about Greyhawk. You do what you want. But yeah, so the, you can make the Sewell good. You can make them evil. You can make them megalomaniacs. You can make them uh, sort of redemption, right? They, you can turn around and say, after they brought down the Invoked Devastation, they turned their back on magic, which they did. If you look at the Flaness, the barbarians totally wrote it off. They said, okay. you know, to hell with, to hell with magic. It, it, it caused irreparable harm to our society we're turning our back on it keelan brought about the silent ones to regulate magic and squash it to a certain extent the tilvanot so the the kingdom of shar where the scarlet brotherhood is the power there are assassin thieves and rogues right so you don't they don't talk about there are mages there but they're not as prestigious as the assassin monks and, and rogues right so you could turn around and say, you're, if you're a Sewell mage, you're viewed with distrust, right? The mm -hmm. word you're going to become the next mage of power and bring a new cataclysm. So, you know, maybe even the, the Iridian mages worry about having a Sewell mage in their classrooms, right? Mm -hmm. A fellow apprentice is Sewell and they're like, shit, this guy's innately capable of much greater magic than we are because of his ancestry, his bloodline or anything like this. Mm -hmm. So they're worried that you as a, as a player character who's Sewell is going to turn into the next, you know, despot, right? Yeah, so that's kind of the, the cool narrative you can bring in when you're playing an OG race or as a DM when you have those Bakalunish or Sewell races. Yeah. Um, how the other uh, races of the Flaness will view them mm -hmm. and interact and then depending on their classes. You, you could also, and, and, and I, I, I'm thinking of, uh, in this discussion, I'm thinking that you could have somebody whose only exposure to the Sulawese have been uh, the Scarlet Brotherhood. And so they have a very sour taste in their mouth. And then suddenly they, they come across one who's not part of the Scarlet Brotherhood and they realize, oh, they're not all the same. And you can work, work exactly what you're saying into your campaign even by, by doing that. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, and maybe the Sewell also, even after all this time, probably retain a certain amount of arrogance, or some of them do, right? So they, they might show up and you play them like, well, you're just a flan. You know, 
you guys were still using Stone Age tools while we were building these beautiful cities. You know, don't tell me how to, you know, don't talk to me about culture, right? <laughs> Come back to me when you've, you know, you've put away your Stone Age tools and, you know, you just learned how to read a thousand years ago. You know, we've been reading for 6,000 years, right? So you could play that up, right? And that maybe that arrogance, mm -hmm. generally speaking, when you get many schools doing this over and over again, most of their races instantly see a Sewell face and they think, oh, geez, this guy's going to be an arrogant, pompous pain in the ass. So your initial reaction is negative, even before you say a word, right? So, Rich, give us the elevator pitch. Give us the one or two sentence summary of everything you've said so far. Why should I play a Sewell? Why should I uh, include a, a Sewell in my campaign? I'd say they're arguably the most complex of the human races. The ability to basically play any style uh, from a redemption type character to an arrogant character to one who loves magic to one who hates magic. You have the most flexibility and it brings a spice to the game. It really does. You're not playing in the middle. You're not just, uh, you know, you're not average. You always play on the extremes as a soul. You really have that opportunity to play on the extremes. Awesome, man. That's really interesting. And and probably to add to that, you can, again, because of their widespread nature, you can play them across the finesse and it doesn't, they won't appear to be out of place or... Yeah, and, you know, yeah, unless you go in the middle of, Yeah, if you go in the middle of Zeef, obviously, if you go in the middle of right. Reclaim States, they'd be, right. you know, they'd right. stand right. out. Or, you know, up north in the Wolf or Tiger Nomads and whatnot. Yeah, but yeah. in the core of the finesse, nope, they wouldn't stand out at all. Yeah. Cool. Well, man, you've given us a ton of really interesting lore. If uh, anybody who listens um, to the podcast wants to connect with you, Richard, um, how can they find you out there on the internet so that if they wanted to maybe pick your brain a little bit more about the, the Sulawese or other things, Greyhawk, um, where could they do that? The, the best place would be on the Cannon Fire Discord or the Greyhawk Online Discord. Mm -hmm. I'm on both. So if you get on those discords and just private message me or... Yeah. On either one of those, I'll get back to you. That's the probably what's the your, easiest way to get to me. What's your handle on those? Longitalis. Longitalis. It's actually right. Rich Rich D. Rich D. Or Longitalis. Cool. Yeah, most people there know me, so discuss awesome, around man. get to me. Just ask for the Sewell guy and know. Ask me for the, yeah, and that's the other thing. <laughs> the, guy the moniker. Yeah. It, what one one interesting addict? Let me talk about this. Me being the Sewell guy. I don't know if you guys know how it started. Tell us. So a couple of years ago, Jason Zavoda, I don't know if you know Jason. Oh, yeah. So Jason Zavoda started a campaign, a first edition campaign. And uh, I became a player on that campaign. I hadn't played first edition in about 30 years. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, play, first, I'll play first edition. I don't remember the rules. I don't remember anything like this. And I never play mages ever. And I said, okay, I'm going to play a first edition magic user. I'm figuring my lifespan is going to be counted in like minutes, right? I'm going to join the game and some monster's going to kill me within like the first five minutes of the game. And I called him Lord Brezen. And I said, to really stack the deck against me, he's going to be a magic user who's got paladin, a paladin mindset. So he's a magic user, he's going to be the first one through the door. And he's going to be at the front of the caravan with a big flag waving, wearing, you know, pompous outfits. And so I figured this guy's going to last maybe 10 minutes top. And I played him completely, you know, quite arrogant and self-assured, almost like uh, in the Kingsman, you know, uh, mm. 
the, the clothing makes a man, whatever, whatever they say, right? So yeah. that kind of that kind of British officer type mindset. And the bloody guy survived. And uh, he, he was quite funny and interesting. And all of a sudden, I started talking in his voice in the discords. And all of a sudden, people started teasing me about him being a Sewell. And next thing I knew, I became the Sewell guy. So I ran with it for the last two years. Because before then, for 20 years, I've, I played in, in the Firyundi as an Iridian. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> That's a good departure for you then. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah. Now you have it. Now you have an alter ego. That's right. So, well, Rich, we sure appreciate you joining us here on Greycast. Um, as as somebody who can tell us a little bit more detail about one of the core, you know, one of the OG races to Greyhawk. So with the Sewell. So we really appreciate it. Uh, we're glad to have you aboard. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be here, guys. Awesome, man. All right. So friends, you'll catch up with us in another couple of weeks when we drop another uh, chunky, thick episode of Greyhawk lore, or perhaps an interview with a uh, member of the Greyhawk community, one of the creators. You just never know what you're going to get on Greycast, other than, of course, it will be um, made of Greyhawk. So on behalf of Richard and our co-pilot, Mateus, another, another session in the bag. We'll see you all next time. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, at Greyhawk five, or excuse me, at Greyhawk, one more time, at Greycast five seven six. See you next time. You've been listening to the Greycast podcast, where we explore the world of Greyhawk one podcast at a time. Mateus and I are excited to share our passion for the world of Greyhawk with each of you. We'll drop episodes every other Monday featuring all things Greyhawk. Please refer us to all your cool, nerdy Greyhawkian friends and allies, even your most hated enemies at the gate. You can find our podcast on Spotify, and be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at Greycast576, to keep up with Greycast. Until next time, remember, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to.